So I, I, I want to um, share with you often as we celebrate communion, I mentioned that I get excited about it, and that's just a, a natural thing. It, it is a, a beautiful thing to celebrate grace. Uh, we can do it each and every day, but we, we have a time when we draw together as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and we do that together. And my hope is, is that as that happens, I want you to think about this, that you think about what it is that communion is really all about. Because it should never be just something that we do. And I wonder sometimes if that's true. I hope it's not, but that it's just something, okay, so we look and maybe when we get and we see on the bulletin is community time, okay, yep, great, we're going to celebrate community again today. We're going to do that. And for, for spiritual leadership, that is something that we pray for. It's another check on the list. Yep, we fulfilled that. No, it's so much more than that. So much more than that. God desires it to be so much more than that. That is something, just, just as I, I shared beforehand, prayed about, that, that the meaning of what it, it is in terms of drawing close to God is what, is what happens in your heart when you celebrate and experience communion. When you hold that bread in your hand and that cup that you're deeply aware of what it stands for and what it means because you're experiencing it in your heart and in your life. You're experiencing and are mindful of who it is that God is and what it is that he did for you. That you have a chance to remember that all over again in a deep and personal way as you just gather here. And that the hope that that brings does it just, it just rises up in you, that you're hopeful as you celebrate communion. And so, too, that you just, you're filled with praise and you're, you're humbled. And again, for me personally, it's just one of the things that I just can't avoid, and it's a good thing. Just the more I think about grace and I think about communion and what it is that it means that humility just just takes over. As you just enter into the presence of God and you celebrate his desire to commune and to be with you. And that's something that a guy named David knew really well. David, uh, the one that you read about in the Bible, the one that had the famous moment and encounter with Goliath, the one who God said is someone who's after my own heart, David. We're going to read about truth in just a moment out of, of Psalm 23, and it's just one, and if you've read the Psalms, you know this. They're just expression after expression. The Psalms are filled Filled, and I just pictured David experiencing time alone with God, deep, powerful, rich time. The, the Psalms are expressions of that intimacy, of those encounters that he had with God, of time spent being really, really close, experiencing and knowing God and all of the, the goodness that that brings. Of all things that David was, and, and there are many, he was somebody who, who knew God. And that's God's desire for you this morning.
wherever you're at, whatever that means. I don't know if you know him as the forgiver of your sins. I hope so. Maybe right now he feels a little distant. So my hope is as we read these words and you recognize what it is that God has in his heart, you know how close he wants to be. Open up your heart and hear um, promises, tremendous truth out of Psalm 23. Hear the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. It might be written in your heart and lived in your life. Do you know what it means to be a shepherd? David did. I think that's why he can relate to God's relationship with him and why he calls him, first line, the Lord is my shepherd. He understood it. It was what he did when he was young. You know, I think of agricultural communities especially, but even in every home, there's certain roles and jobs, chores, if you will, that people have, um, parents, young people. David's job was tending sheep. He was the shepherd, and he spent a lot of time doing it. So he knew what it meant in terms of, of being a shepherd and being a good shepherd. And it was really easy for him to understand that the Lord is his shepherd because of all that that meant. And it's, it's, it's a full word, a full title, just like a lot of different things are. And again, there's, there's good shepherds and there's not such good shepherds. But again, I hope as you just listen this morning to what it is that God shares in these words, in these verses, that you understand that he wants to be your good shepherd. Not just every now and then, not just on Sunday morning, but each and every day. And he gives incredible promises in terms of what that means. So I ask you about if you've ever been a shepherd. Has anybody ever been around sheep? Some of you. Yeah. I, I can't say that um, I've been around sheep a lot, but I have been around them. And uh, maybe some of you know that Troy raises sheep, and I was out to his place a few times. And I, I saw the sheep, and I'm just a guy who just really loves things agriculture. And so I walk over to the sheep, and guess what they do? Do you know sheep? Yeah, they took off. I didn't take it personal. That's what sheep are like. 
Sheep are pretty skittish. And sheep are, are, are prone to wander. Some people say that sheep are not exactly the sharpest pencil in the box. I think it might be because they're, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know the IQ level of a sheep. But I do know what people say about them. And I don't know if it's natural curiousness. You know, if a sheep is a, is a naturally curious animal, if they're like the ADD part of God creation in human or an animal form, I don't know. But they, they just, you know, they just like to wander around. They like to see things and check things out. The problem is that causes grave danger for sheep, right? Because if you know sheep, you know that they're pretty helpless. Little fluffy balls of wool. But when a, a predator comes or there's danger, there's not a whole lot they can do. And their best defense is just what they do when I, I said I walked up to them, they run away. And when I went up to Troy's, they all ran into the barn because they knew that was a place that was safe. I imagine that if Troy was there at the time and he was standing out there, they might have just all ran to him. It's an amazing thing that sheep will run to their shepherd or they'll run to a place of safety. Now, they don't have that. They have that in farms and stuff. But they don't have that in the open country, right? So they do. They would run towards the shepherd because they knew the shepherd was there to protect them. And the shepherd was there to, to help them out and to care for them. That's who God desires to be in our lives. See, because as you heard or you can draw a conclusion from this truth, we are like sheep. We have a lot of great needs. I'm not saying that to judge your IQ. But the reality is there's a, there's a great, great level of things that are parallel in our hearts and in our lives just as there are with sheep. And hopefully we're, we're humble and, and honest enough to say there's times when we feel pretty helpless and we're pretty skittish and we're pretty fearful. There's a lot of things that happen in our hearts and in our lives when we can really resonate and relate to what it means to be a sheep. Jesus understood that. I thought of the words of Matthew 9, 36. It says this, Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The words of John 10, my sheep listen to my voice and they know me and my sheep follow me. That's a great passage, John 10, 27 to 30. Sheep. And I don't know if you've thought of yourself too much as a sheep. But again, great comparisons. I don't know how much you've thought about God being your shepherd, but that is who he wants to be, who he desires to be. In this psalm, Psalm 23 is filled with incredible promises and deep thoughts. Right out of the chute, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean? I shall not want. And what follows immediately is an understanding that God will meet basic needs in your life. What's more basic than food and water? 
eating and drinking. He leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I even think about that, makes me. And the Hebrew is pretty dead spot on there. That's a good translation of it. Think about that now um, for you. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say, by the way, it doesn't say he, he, he makes me lay down in yucky fields. He doesn't make me eat straw and blah, things that I want to spit out. Green pastures. Meaning symbolizing good food. That's what the good shepherd does. And you can start to think about that in all different kinds of ways. You can think about that physically to be sure in the meeting of physical needs, of having food to eat. You can think about it mentally, being at a good place mentally, health and well-being mentally. You can think about that emotionally. You can think about that spiritually. And sometimes it's true. He makes us lay down and eat good food. He takes us to a place so that we'll just eat. That's what he does as the good shepherd. Almost forces us to eat and to be nourished and sustained by those things that are good, that are good for us. Yes, physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually as well. He leads me beside quiet waters. Do you know that sheep will not drink from anything that has a fast current in it. They're too nervous about it. I, I wish that sometimes we'd be more like sheep in that respect, right? Life is a busy, fast-paced thing. All of you, I could ask you about what you're going to do this week or something like that, and it's something that I hear time and time again. I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I get that. Fast-paced, moving life. Sometimes we need quiet waters. God knows that. That's what he desires for us. And, and I think of what it means sometimes to get in a fast-moving stream. You know, one of the realities about people and rivers and waters is they don't respect the river enough, the current, or even ocean and tides. And they walk out, and before you know it, the current gets a hold of them, and whoosh, it's not a good thing. Sheep are afraid of that. We probably ought to be, again, a little bit more like that. Sometimes in the living of life, we don't have a healthy sense of fear of things, of darkness, of evil. And we get out into that current, and it sucks us along. Yeah, maybe... We're more like sheep than we'd like to admit. But God's goodness, his grace, being the good shepherd, being the good shepherd, makes us lie down in green pastures, leads us beside quiet waters, places where, where we can pause and think of God's presence. Think of seeking God. Think of being in his presence. Quiet waters, places and times where you can drink deep and be refreshed and be restored. So he, he restores my soul. That's God's desire. He doesn't want you to be frenetic, all unglued, crazy, wild. 
fearful, skittish. He wants you to experience peace, comfort, restoration. I, I don't think, and, 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 I, and as I look at life, and I even think of my own sometimes, I'm like, man, what have I done? God wants me to rein it in. That's not what he really desires for me. And, and you can think about your own life and the things that you're going through and the things that you're struggling with and, and all that that means and the things that bring you fear or, or the things that you worry about. Is that God's desire for you? No. He wants you to experience peace and comfort. And if you do, praise God. And you take the time to seek him, to seek him, to seek him, to draw near to God, to stay close to the shepherd. See, it's when you, when you go away, that's when, again, you, you can step into a fast-moving river. You can be in a place that is pretty yucky, pretty powerful in terms of what it is that God desires and the promises that he gives. Peace, comfort, restoration because of his presence. And there's more. They, they all work together. W- what's the last part of verse 3? He, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to think about that for a minute. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's saying he takes me to the right places to be right. So, so, so think about this for a moment. When you think about a moment where you've been in the wrong place, and again, it can be emotionally, mentally, it can be a physical presence somewhere. And, and yes, think of maybe it's really helpful to think of a time when you fell flat on your face in terms of spiritualness and, and, and holiness, and you did that which was wrong, you sinned. Here's the question. At that particular time, were you seeking God's presence? Now, you can flip that around and say, has there ever been a time when you were seeking God's presence, when you were walking towards God, when you were with the Lord, that you experienced evilness and you did that which was wrong, that you sinned? And if you think about this, this holy and clearly, you would have to say, no, that's, that's not the case. And I've thought about this, I've thought about that, I've thought about it. There's never been a time when, when I was thinking about things that weren't good and I ended up doing things that weren't good that I was seeking and following God. See, the two don't go together. And conversely, every time I was seeking God, that, that's when I experienced good and great things. It's a simple, simple truth. And, and that's what Jesus, that's what God desires to do, to be the good shepherd, to lead us to places that are right and that are righteous. You, you know, you know what, what this is, right? It is a cane. You're close. It's a cane with a hook. I can see some of you aren't too familiar with sheep. This is a shepherd's staff courtesy of the aforementioned Troy Finstrom, and, and the hooked end. And so there's two things, and we're going to read about that in just a second in terms of rod and staff, but I think of guiding. That's one of the things that shepherds use this for. You see the, the little hook? And remember, they're good shepherds, 
So, so when they're walking along and they would see sheep that are just getting a little too far out, they'd walk over to them and just give them a little tug. Whoops. Not too hard, gentle, maybe around their leg, maybe around their neck, but just to get them back to where they need to be and out of harm's way. I don't know if they use this end too much, just a little bit of, you know, tapping and stuff, just to keep them so that they're safe. That's what a good shepherd would do. Would always be looking at the sheep, and if they got too far, he'd have to use a staff every now and then or she and just kind of do a little bit of that and getting them back on the right track. Praise God that he is our good shepherd. Because like sheep, we're prone to wander. Is that not true? We can be honest about that. And so when you're in the presence of God and you're trying to draw near to him, and sometimes you're looking around because you're curious and you're wondering about things, God will just give you that little tug and pull. And I can't tell you all of the times, and by the way, that's one of the blessings of Scripture. And that's one of the things that is just really off of the charts now in terms of being abysmal is, is people knowing verses and scripture and, and promises and truth that God gives, having it in their hearts. That's part of the, the staff that God gives. So I always call them little red flags. And so when you think about something, all of a sudden, bam, there's a scripture or a truth. And, and it's God doing this and pulling me back in, helping me remember where I need to be and who I need to be. Powerful, powerful thing. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he uses a staff. And I don't know who, there are people who can be staffs for you. There are, are truths that can be staffs for you. Well, what, what does the staff of God look like in your life? Do you recognize it? Do you know what it is? Are you familiar with it? Do, do you, you're walking close with God. Do you feel that tug? Do you know what that is? John Calvin calls our consciousness leading of the Holy Spirit. It's God's staff. So when we're thinking about things, it's just a way that God, if we're in, in the presence of God and we're seeking to be led by God, it's that, that reminding and pulling us back to who we need to be and, and where we need to go with our feet. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Tremendous truth. That's what God gives you. He promises to lead you, to guide you in life. Oops. I'll just hold on to it. What a tremendous truth. Because again, there's a lot of things that um, can lead us astray. There's a lot of places that we can go in life. But there's no place that's better than being close to God, walking with Him, being drawn near. It continues, another promise, verse 4. Maybe one of the ones that that people know more than any other one. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? What's the next line? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We talked about a staff. But God says a rod too. Shepherds had them. David utilized a sling, too. But shepherds had a a rod like this. 
And they were for a lot of different things, but mostly they were for protection, protection of the sheep. It was a very functional and purposeful tool. I got this particular um, cane or rod from a friend of mine, and I, it was in my office one day, and I walked in and I saw it there, and he had, had told me he was going to give it to me, and there was a little note on it, and I'll never forget what the note said. He, he knew I liked to go outdoors and hike and that kind of stuff, and he said, this is for hiking, and then this, and for consistory meetings. <laughs> Boy, have I been tempted. But... Um, a rod. See, there's a lot of danger to sheep, right? Because of their curiousness and their wandering. David knew all about that. And he used a, a sling again, but also used a rod at times. Do you know the story of David and Goliath? 1 Samuel 17. There, there's an exchange in there where, where Saul is talking to David. David comes to say, hey, I'll go take care of that guy because, because God, God will bring me the victory. Always gave God the credit. Remember what Saul says to him, the first thing he says to him when David presents himself to Saul? He says, what? You can't go and fight him. You're just a boy. Remember what David said right after that? Look, I tended flocks. I was a shepherd. I killed a lion and I killed a bear. The Lord brought me deliverance. I was with God. I trusted God when I went and I fought that lion and I fought that bear. And God will give me victory over that uncircumcised heathen. Rods. I just can imagine shepherds. Uh, animal comes to eat the sheep. Wham, wham. Poke, poke. Whatever it took to keep those sheep safe. That's God's promise for you. Are you, are you listening to him? What he's saying? You see, evil Satan, when I don't know you think again about what you think about Satan, he, he wants to, to tear your life apart. And he will use anything and everything that he can, and he's really, really good at it. And he seeks to devour and attack and rip apart. And hopefully, hopefully, you, you, you're smart enough, you're wise enough to have a healthy sense of fear, and so you run from evil and you run from danger. But every now and then, if you've wandered too far and you start to run back, the good shepherd will come in. He promises to protect you and to care for you. His rod and his staff bring comfort, presence, being close. And if you're too far right, it might be too late. You got to stay close. You got to stay close. He gives free will again, but, but this is what he brings. He brings protection. Because again, he, he loves you more than you'll ever know. That's his desire, to be your great shepherd. It continues. Tremendous promises. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's good to think about David in this respect in terms of God's presence bringing visible provisions and blessings. See, David was somebody who, and so you think about the peace, the comfort, and the restoration. He had people pursuing him almost his whole life, people that just wanted to kill him. That's it. That was their goal. David was run for his life all the time, so he knew about God's leading. He, He knew about God's protection and the peace and the comfort that only God could bring. But he also understood this, that God's presence brought visible, visible blessings and provisions. See, because there came a, a time in his life when, when he was following God and the story started to be heard about David and about Israel, about that God was with them and God's power was displayed in crazy and profound ways. And we, even as we looked at, at, at the mighty men, we looked at last week, and you think about the outnumbered and you think, wow, I don't know, 800 against one, 300 against one, but True. And when those stories started to be heard, the people around him started to understand, we better not mess with them. We better not mess with Israel. We better not mess with David because God is with them. We can see it. Victory after victory, blessing after blessing. So start to think about that a minute as a sheep. Because again, Satan wants to tear you apart. I'm just being honest. And he'll use all different kinds of people and all different kinds of things to do that. But there's something that happens when you're in the presence of God. Satan knows not to go there. And so do other people and so do other things. A table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's saying there's food in abundance, there's blessing at the table of God. In his presence. Are you you making that connection in your heart and in your life? And the more that that happens, the more repeated that is, the more that that's a reality and that's who you are and that's how you live. A table before, before in in the presence of my enemies, a table set. And that's so true. And I think about what that means. You anoint my head with oil. That's a sign of blessings. It's a sign of covenanting with God of his promises. And an ancient thing, but a contemporary thing that's really powerful and relevant as well. And my cup overflows. What does it mean to have your cup overflowing? People use that saying. The blessings are so much they can't be contained. They're just flowing out all over in my heart and in my life. I hope that that's true for you. That means hopefully that you're there in the presence of God always, constantly. And God just is making that true and visible in your life. People see it. People know it. I I have people all the time that are are asking me or saying, hey, you know what? I I really admire so-and-so. And And not to say that we all don't have problems, but the reality is when they say that and I think about that individual, I know why, because that person is walking, they're doing their best to follow God. It's powerful. It's a testimony. It's a witness. The presence and the goodness of God is visible and real. And I think about that in terms of church and ministry. Do you know Albert Einstein's definition of insanity? I know some of you have heard it. It's doing the same thing time and time again and expecting different results. 
See, God, God reveals himself in our hearts and in our lives and in our churches in terms of goodness. And that's where we ought to focus and concentrate our efforts. Where there's fruit. Why would we continue to go over to yucky fields and eat? I don't know. People do it. Churches do it. God says, I, I will make it visible. There'll be anointing. There'll be blessings. You'll see the fruit. Powerful. A great, great promise from God. And one of the things that you can think about in terms of presence in your heart and in your life, what's happening? What's going on? Think about where you're walking, who you're being. And, and what does that mean? Is it, is it God leading you in, in the path of righteousness or not? So that last verse, really powerful. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now, in this moment, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the days of my life. That's God's presence will bring goodness and love each and every day. Do you believe that? Sometimes it's hard. When things get torn apart, when Satan has a successful attack, and I think about um, the crucifixion. And a lot of times around Easter time and on Good Friday, I think about what Satan was feeling and what he was experiencing in that moment. Probably was feeling pretty doggone good about things, right? I finally got him. I got into the hearts of people. They hatched and schemed, and I got him killed. I won. Not so fast. You know what happened, of course, three days later, Christ arose. See, again, even in the valley of the shadow of death, all the days of my life, God's goodness, even when it doesn't seem like it, even more in the midst of heartache and difficulty, God desires and will be your good shepherd. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an incredible promise. You know, this world is filled with all kinds of understandings about what it means and what it will take to get to heaven. And I ask that question a lot, and I get asked that question a lot, especially around funerals, and what do you think? Are they going to go to heaven? And my response is one and the same. It just depends on if they knew Jesus or not. But people desperately want to believe that. I think everybody here desperately wants to believe they're going to heaven, especially if you have an understanding or a cognate. You've thought about hell at all. It's a place you never want to be forever and ever and ever. Think about it. And, and heaven is a place that's beyond the scope of our imagination in terms of being incredible. And that's God's promise. And there's only one way, and Jesus says it. And so I love people will put words in the mouth of God, right? 
well, heaven is all about if I'm a good person, I'm getting there. And that's not what he says. Or if I do this, or I, you know, show up on church once, you know, a month or maybe a year, Christmas and Easter, and I throw a 20 in a plate or something, I'm good to go. That's not what God says. He says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Pretty simple. Brothers and sisters, again, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've made that under, had that understanding. You haven't made that openness. You haven't asked God into your heart. Jesus Christ, I hope so. If not, I'd love to talk to you about it. That gift of grace. If you've known God as a good shepherd, maybe you're at a place in time where you're just struggling. That, that's okay. God understands. He wants to draw close, put his arms of grace and forgiveness around you. Open up your heart to who it is he desires to be in your heart and your life. All these tremendous truths in Psalm 23, all because he just wants to be your God. Powerful things to think about. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for your word and your truth. I thank you for the promise of being our good shepherd, of loving us more than we know, loving us when we're kicking and screaming and trying to get out of your hand of grace. You make us stay in places that are good and great, and you'll hold on tight. God, we thank you and we praise you for that. Because we know our hearts, we know who we are. Thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for your peace, your comfort, restoration, your guiding, your leading in our lives, your protection, for the fruit and the joy and the harvest that you bring. When all we need to do is simply be in your presence. You're a good, you're a glorious God. Just we celebrated your grace today together, might it be true, each and every day of our lives. We offer you thanks and have our hearts bursting, our cup overflowing because of your goodness and your presence in our heart and in our life. In your name we pray. Amen.